Welcome to Percussion Perspectives, a podcast by Henrik Knabor Larsen and Håkon Steine. Each episode of Percussion Perspectives features one or more musical artists in conversation about musical education, practice and aesthetic and sociological perspectives. Swedish percussionist and conductor Leif Karlsson's professional career began in the mid-1970s and after co-founding the world-renowned percussion ensemble Chromata, where he was a member from 1979 to 2008, he gave thousands of performances in 43 countries and some 600 cities worldwide and released 19 recordings, many of which contained Chromata's own commissions. The ensemble appeared as soloists with orchestras such as the Los Angeles Philharmonic and the Berlin Symphonic Orchestra, and many, many more. More than 240 works were written for this group by composers such as Sofia Gubaidolina, Sven David Sandström, and Rolf Wallin. The ensemble stopped performing in 2015, at which point Life had taken on a new career as a conductor and an artistic leader of various ensembles. Our talk took place in the spring of 2022 and touched upon subjects such as how the Kremata Ensemble established itself as one of the main ambassadors of percussion ensemble music throughout the 80s, 90s and early 2000s, about the idea of state-funded music and art in the social democratic welfare state in these decades, and how these political ideals perhaps were reflected in their artistic practice. We spoke about specific composer collaborations the group did, and more currently, how life now in his 60s has taken on a new career as a conductor. So Life, welcome to our podcast and thanks for taking the time to, to join us. We have so much to talk about. Uh, you have a career that spans 40 years now, uh, 30 of them as a percussionist and the last 10, 15 as a conductor. Um, and uh, we're looking forward to hear uh, about your insights and what you can tell us <laughs> yeah. from your life in music. Uh, thanks for the invitation. I'm so so proud of, of, of being part of your pod. Absolutely nice. Great. So um, the first thing I wondered was if uh, you could talk a little bit about your early professional years. You were a founding member of the Chromata Group in 1978 mm -hmm. or something like that. And yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. How, what age were you then? I was uh, 22. 22 years. Yeah. And then you developed uh, that group uh, over a 30-year time period into being one of the leading ensembles uh, globally perhaps like yeah. at least in, in Europe and you tra traveled the world and you did tons of recordings and commissions and everything so we're going to come back to that a little later but mm -hmm. maybe if you can sort of summarize uh, some of those early experiences and what still is important to you today I mean uh, the, 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 the thing that I was so, so young uh, was that I was uh, having a place at the academy when I was uh, 17 years old. And um, for that sake, I was finished with, with, with all the exam. And when I was 
went on and then uh, I started that dance, uh, we started that ensemble. And, and at that time, at late 70s, I mean, it's, it's uh, soon 50 years ago, <laughs> um, there was not so many uh, percussionists around. Uh, of course, all the, the orchestras, has the, the older generation guys, but we, we, we were uh, uh, a couple of young uh, percussionists that um, had played uh, percussion ensemble music in our education. And actually, we went to to Copenhagen. Uh, I had a job in in the called Region Music in, in Westeros, and, and all these guys was, were employed, and we were invited by the the fantastic um, the, the the old papa of percussion in Bentley Love yeah Bentley Love Bentley Love yeah, yeah. <laughs> and after that weekend when we played the ensemble on a certain level we decided to start the, the ensemble uh, but we 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 suffer very much about uh, um, um, the perfect music and, and we were not so so familiar with each other, so it was a sort of six uh, different attitude ensemble for, for the first time. But 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 I mean I I had uh, I think I have three uh, important uh, things in my uh, luggage from that I was very young. Uh, the thing was when I was forty years. No, I was. 12 years old and in the, the regional symphony orchestra where we live, they had a Wiener concerto and they invited that time's big Vienna Philharmonic New Year conductor, his name was Wille Bukowski, to conduct. And he was a guy with a fantastic smile on TV, but he was a big asshole on, on stage. And he, he, he yelled at all the musicians and between the pieces, he turned to the audience and pointed out what musicians had made a mistake during this Wienerwaltz. And some, something happened to me there. Uh, I think that is not the leadership. That is not anything to do with uh, making good music uh, together. So, so that was an important milestone in my life. So, so I will not act that way. And the, the, the other thing was um, a couple of years later in the mil military band uh, where we live, they had a percussionist that was... Um, um, he was fantastic when he was uh, fantastic, and, <laughs> and he was not so good uh, the other days. Um, and uh, I was uh, the, the extra percussionist uh, almost every week in that orchestra. And, and one day I picked um, a mil military drum, and I went to the, the rehearsal, and one of the musicians turned to me and said, don't you have any sense of, of taste? And I was totally afraid of him, of course. But what he meant was, um, uh, don't you uh, listen or, or, or pick an instrument that sounds really good? And that I have also have uh, in, in, in my positive luggage 
all, all my life. And then, of course, my teacher at the academy in Arvika, uh, Björn Lillekvist, who was a student of Börje Ritz Andersson, actually, in, in the Denmark. So the, the, the history goes on, and, and when we build the, the Kromata Ensemble, I think uh, we are lucky to be part of the next step of the percussion history. Please talk a little bit more about the early years of Kromata. It's 1978, 1979. There aren't many role models around, no. so it's basically maybe the Le Percussion de Strasbourg. Um, next, Nexus in Canada, of course, but as a sex, you were a quartet, quintet, yeah. and the Les Percussions were a sextet. Yeah, I think we, 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 we didn't know of Nexus at that time. We will learn, learn, learn to know them later on, but uh, for us, it was the, the guys from, from France at that time. Okay. But uh, Nexus was also sextet first. Uh, and th 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 then one of the guy left them and they were five and then one of the guy died and then there were four. So, so it's, 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 a, it's a history going on. Right. But take us into those early days of uh, discussing like an artistic profile. How are you going to develop mm. uh, artistically? How are you going to develop a, an organization, a professional organization? How are you going to develop a... Um, Playing style, performance style, yeah. all those things. Um, yeah, I mean, um, our our um, goal was to find more interesting pieces to play, and why we decided to be six members. It was absolutely because of that. The the Le Percussions Dasbury had had commissioned a lot of pieces for six uh, members, and that was good pieces, and we want to play that. And um, the pieces that we had performed in our education was more like, you know, um, American uh, university pieces. And, and, and that is something that, that I have worked against for all my career. I mean, I can understand in one way that many uh, percussionists uh, write their own music. But it is something when you can go to a composer and ask the composer to write a piece for you. And we we, we started to contact our friends, um, Anders Hilborg, Jan Sandström, uh, Esa Pekasalen and, and so on. And we, we asked them if, if it's possible to, to, to write a piece for us, we, we, we promise we, we will play it, but we, we don't have any money. And they they made some pieces for us, and and, and um, most of these pieces was very good. In some sentence, they they tried out the new things, and later in our history, we, we learn more about the, to listen to a composer. Maybe we we wanted a. We wanted a more uh, sounding uh, soft piece, and we, we look into composers that had written pieces for for chorus or for, for string orchestra or for for flute or whatever harp. And then then we we talked about each other and said that composer maybe can do a nice piece for us. Was uh, 
Gubadul and one such composer, perhaps the the sextet with the saxophone quartet. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that was later in in the history when 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 she went to to be um, the polar prize winner, and that is a story. Also, um, she she handles the score. I think it was twenty one bongos. Uh, 14 temple blocks and 16 tom-toms and so on. And we thought of, ah, we don't know how to do it. So we, we, we put up a little thing there, eight tom-toms, you know, nine bongos and so on. And she was missing something when, when she came. Hey, I don't hear the melody. And then it was so embarrassing to, to, to build up, up, up all this. But, but that is just, it's a good piece. We performed it in, in uh, the Freiburg University uh, before the lockdowns with, with, the, with, with the Russia orchestra, yeah. with the Russia ensemble. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it's kind of scary when you open up and see all the drums, but it totally makes sense because of the registers and how she orchestrates. Exactly. And one other thing I thought about was the... The Sandström piece, which became a kind of a hit, right, for you guys, the the drums drums piece, and uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, that you also kind of had a reach beyond classical and contemporary audiences, yeah, and that piece was actually so that our um, our professor Björn Björn Lilleqvist he had uh, his own ensemble in Stockholm. It was called Stockholm Percussion Ensemble, and that was built a little bit earlier than us with his colleagues from the, the Radio Symphony and Opera and so on, you know. And uh, myself and uh, two more of the guys was also playing in his ensemble. And he was the guy that commissioned that piece, uh, the, the drums by David Sandström. And um, there we also, also, you know, this... Questions when David write uh, twenty two against uh, four and you know and eighteen and hey what are you doing this is silly but he wanted us to try so hard so the audience felt like we we were really wanted to do it right and therefore he he, he got some energy of us playing on stage yeah. yeah. And that piece, I think I played uh, 600 times or something like that. <laughs> right. I, I heard it uh, a couple of times with you and it's, it was always amazing. And it has this kind of speaking of energy. I wanted to ask you about like how you develop this, which is maybe one of the signatures of Kromata, this kind of incredible joy when you play mm. it in this incredible stage presence and yeah the energy right so um yeah was that something you worked on like uh, in a sort of detailed manner or was it more intuitive because it was maybe a, a different signature than that of uh the french style or the uh, the european academic style yeah I think we started also in the academic style. I mean, I think uh, you you you're supposed to, to, to play that that uh, manner, and uh, we will also have this b b b black uh, yeah. uh, thing, you know, Tur turtleneck. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Yeah, uh, and it was a sort of uniform for for all uh, contemporary academic music, and then we went to basic. We were invited to play at PASIC in 1984. And we premiered a piece by a former percussionist and conductor and composer. His name is Harold Faberman. 
And suddenly we 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 saw uh, so too many of these academic uh, guys with uh, with uh, all the mallet hanging down the marimbas like a sort of uh, yeah. <laughs> you know uh, shop, and, and all these people that took took themselves yeah. too serious. Yeah. We we thought. And then on the plane back home, we said, oh, no, we can't do this. We must have more joy. We must feel that we are a sort of rock band. Uh, we happen to play new music, contemporary music, but we, we can do it on, on a more swinging way. And all of us had played jazz band, big bands and rock bands and so on. So the first thing was we decided to, if there is... Uh, four uh, groups of 16 in the bar. We must play with accent on every beat. It was a simple thing, but, but it, yeah. it, it changed a lot in our attitude. Yeah. And I think also it changed a lot for us um, approaching uh, an audience that that uh, did know nothing about this type right. of music. The music goes from cold to warm, so to say. It has a yeah. heart. Has a heart. Great. Um, what about the um, the collaborations with um, with people like Sanakis? And uh, you played all the Cage music. You recorded the second quartet, the third, uh, the construction. Sorry, the the second construction, the third construction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you had a very sort of again this personality thing coming in, and this very mark of a strong interpretation mm -hmm. that you didn't necessarily uh, use those role models that were already out there but you chose your own way in terms of instrumentation and everything mm -hmm. so tell us take us through that process of choosing instruments uh, how, did you collaborate with with uh, people like Cage and Sanakis in person no no oh never uh, that was possible big no no in, in our uh, you, you know all the, the composers were um, had to wait outside uh, <laughs> until we we were ready, and then we could meet them. Uh, all these uh, younger composers that asked us of the list of our instrument, and we said absolutely no, you will not have anything about that. <laughs> Please think and, and imagine to do an interesting piece, and then we 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 take with us all the instruments that you need for that. I mean, we we travel in Europe with. Uh, big van uh, having uh, three uh, thousand kilo of, of of instruments. We had everything with us. But um, I think uh, since we were so different with six musicians, we were the three of us, and I was the youngest of the three older guys. We we were um, um, educated with with jazz. So so when we thought everything was swinging and everything was tight. We were always a little ahead on, on the beat, you know. Mm -hmm. And the three younger guys, they, they leaned back and they were grown up in this sort of funky way. So a tight thing for them was to wait with the beat. And then we had this gap that was uh, always arguing. But these uh, um, different attitudes also did that. We picked the part that we thought was... Uh, appelling to our musicality. Yeah. I was the guy that had played most jazz uh, and, and so on, and I played a little bit more of the, the ethnic or 
Congress and Bongas and so on. So I I picked uh, some instruments for that. And mm. speaking of the cage third construction, at that time I also played in a Renaissance ensemble, and that uh, three different handmade uh, rope uh, the drums I thought was perfect for this piece. Mm. And uh, then I I could. Um, uh, change all colors and, and in some way. Maybe we, we did this, um, what is it called, the, the piece with uh, percussion ensemble, piano, percussion ensemble, piano. A credo in us? No, um, the, the, the thing with the reparated um, piano. Ah, yeah, um, um, Amores? Amores, yes, Amores. Amores. Yeah, and, yeah. and he had the um, cage um, pointed out where to play on the head. Yeah. And we realized that maybe was perfect with this round that he happened to have when he composed the piece. But if I should play that piece in my drums, mm. I can do this way instead. So we, we were uh, very early to be a little naughty in a way to, 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 to realize that, okay, he or she wanted to have, based on the sound that she or he had in the composing process, but that is not interesting anymore. Right. Yeah, that's also uh, this kind of thinking ahead and uh, speaking a little bit more about Cage and thinking it to maybe even more nerdy level, the way you uh, made your instrumentation for the third construction. I remember you had this kind of, each player had a sort of one type of instrument. So you had this kind of... Yeah color to each voice instead of having this chaotic tom texture mm -hmm. you had a very distinct color for each and maybe you can talk about how you distributed that mm -hmm. um, th those roles of picking and choosing mm -hmm. yeah at that time uh, we we happened to, to pick our own uh, parts and our own instrument as well uh, and the hardest thing for this third construction was to find uh, pink cans that had actually sound because all the modern painting cans was more like a, a, a lousy drum. But but we 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 talk with with um, a baker, and he know that there there was a sort of um, factory in Stockholm that made um, sweet things and, and sauces for these uh, baking um, places, and they had. Uh, some old cans with, with a wonderful sound in it. And um, we talked about um, how to have four different voices on that piece, four different uh, parts of the world. So one of the guys had uh, congas and bongos. I had my uh, old uh, Renaissance uh, drums. And my friend Anders Holder, he had... Um, hand drums that he played with some small uh, uh, sticks on. And all these drums was perfect to, to play with a with finger also. And um, I think our friend Roger, he played on this uh, Japanese or Chinese uh, drums, you know. So, so everybody had very uh, regnant and distinct uh, sound. And then we added some... Um, we, we we took away this uh, this shell, you know, for, for, for to blow in, and we had the conch a, shell, yeah, yeah, the conch, conch shell, yeah. yeah, and we had instead we had the Swedish uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, lure, lure, yeah, nev yeah, yeah. nevelur, 
Yeah, the wooden horn. The kind of, yeah, I don't know. I have to find out what it's called in English. But the, 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 long, yeah. the long one, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we also uh, invite, invented some some cans with uh, things in, so we could play even s uh, softer than than was possible in, in our so, so it was very very interesting to for the to for the rattles for the exactly rattles. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 I remember that mm -hmm. also when when we I think this is two part of that piece that have lion's roar and we experimented a lot for to. Not only have the sound because we wanted different sound, and we we wanted a sound that started soft and became a little dangerous and then disappeared by 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 then. And that was also very nice. Sounds like you had a lot of fun in inventing new. Yeah, yeah, and actually, when we we played in in this basic thing, we we met John John Cage. He was there. In '84, yeah, okay. it was there. Yeah, he was uh, supposed to be be um, uh, honored by this uh, Hall of Fame thing. Oh, yeah, and yeah, right. They they want him to talk a little about percussion, but he wanted only to talk about uh, mushrooms <laughs> right. at that point. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we um, we were waiting in a long line. You, you know, as um, Meet, 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 meeting the, the, the king or something like that, you know, we're waiting there. And, and then suddenly we were, we're in front of him. Uh, and we, 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 we shook his hand and, and we, we said that we are Kremata from Sweden and we, we send you a record. Ah, oh, you are Kremata from Sweden. Thank, thanks for, for the record. And then he was totally silent. <laughs> And we we didn't know how to act, and the line behind us was a little bit arguing, you know, yeah. hey, go away, it's our turn. <laughs> and then he he realized that it 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 became a little odd situations. So he said, "Aha, you mean so? But you see, I don't have any machines, so I can't play it." <laughs> yeah, and listen to the recording. That peep peep pieces he wrote on the. Uh, Late forties, so I mean, it yeah. was a big gap between that and now. Right, but it was a little story. But but later on, um, it was more like we 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 handle over over all the instrument picking for one guy in the ensemble that we can can talk more about later. Maybe that's in a sense uh, handing over a lot of um, artistic agenda to one person. Um, what I mean, speaking a bit broadly about uh, percussion instrumentation as a part of interpretation, because it's sort of important how your piece sounds, mallets, all these things. It's not just right, uh, you know, pick a piano and play the notes on the piano. It's mm. all about the skins and the type mm -hmm. of mallets and the, mm. all sorts of um, practical things in a sense. But um, what sort of competence do you feel? was or is required to kind of make uh, coherent decisions in that regard when you make an interpretation of a piece of music. You said on one hand that you want to pick your own, you're, you want to find your own space, but uh, you also relate to a tradition. You also relate to an interpretation tradition, in this case of Sanakis, for instance. Yeah. He's after certain things. Can you mm. discuss that uh, a little mm. bit? How you, what kind of competence, or you, you mentioned taste before. Mm. Um what is what is at stake when you just go for your own thing, and what what do you win and what do you lose when taking such a decision? Mm -hmm. 
I mean, uh, there are also composers like Rolf Wallin that that that, that are very uh, specific w- w- with his instrument, and, and that every the highest uh, instrument in every uh, set of in stone waves, as examples, has to be um, about the the, the the same tune or something like that. Um, but it, it's um, when we started in the school, we we had of course. Uh, uh, Professor, that 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 was the the, the taste guy that, uh, that that say maybe they're more less uh, softer, harder, and so on. And then we we realize that we don't have that anymore. We 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 have to be professors for each other all the time, and and we became extremely honest with each other. So honest that people that visiting us, uh, soloists and other always thought that we were angry at each other because it was so uh, it was um, no pardon you know uh, I can't hear you but uh, I-, I like to have this sound no you need to have sharper mallets but it's, it's, it sounded uh, not so good but play softer with with, um, with uh, harder stick but it's a little hard yeah my practice. I mean, it, it was uh, always very, very hard. Uh, and um, the guys that uh, had uh, read more in the score has more to say, of course. And, and we, um, we learn after some, some um, <laughs> arguing that um, if, if you don't uh, have the, the, the skills of, of learning the score, you don't have so much to talk about. Or to say about the the whole thing, and I think in that period we we, we started to ask our member Roger to to um, always pick all the instruments. And for instance, when when we play the the paw moment of the Senakis Pleiades, which I will contact now with the Royal Academy School this. Uh, uh, spring celebrating his hundred years um, anniversary. Yes. Um, yes. Roger uh, decide exactly what uh, tom-toms we, we we should have, and 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 he he looked at the score and said, "Hey, that that part of playing a little bit more on the upper one, he must have the the, the best uh, uh, top tom-tom and so on." And that was uh, that was nice, big 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 because. Um, from that point, I think we had a more homogeneous sound in our our um, But of course, it was fighting and arguing and so on. How did you work on that piece, though? Because you you were probably one of the first ensembles in the world to to perform that piece and and also so extensively. What what was it like when you first opened that that score for the first time, and then you know you played it probably hundreds of times? I don't know. Can you talk about that transformation in a sense? How you. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is a video on online, I think, where you play it on the. I'm not sure if it's the Polar Music Prize or the Nobel Peace Prize or something. Where it's, it seems like a pure. It's a walk in the park for you guys. Mm-hmm. You're just having fun. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, but I, I'm guess guessing it was a little different when you had no role models, no, no one to listen mm-hmm. to. No, exactly. I mean, uh, two of our members um, played uh, the piece in London um, at some point and some. Um, percussion festival that, that they, they, they had in London. And uh, 
Tanakis was there and they came back and said that this score, this part was about impossible to, to play after. And and then we we talked with the publishers Calabar and we we uh, we we um, fixed so at so we 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 had. Um, Another more easy readable scores, and then we we we, we play the uh, rehearse the piece with the conductor coach, and we, we the, the first couple of times or first twenty uh, times we 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 did it with conductor, and then we realized that the poor moment was the easiest one to, to do with with uh, without the conductor, mm. and uh, also there we, we we thought that this is rock and roll. If we should play it in a sort of academic style, it should be silly in a way. <laughs> Even if Sinakis uh, um, was not the rock star, I mean, he was a composer and, and he was no more interesting of the mathematics yeah. you know, of the pieces. But when we played it, um, we thought it must be rock and roll. I mean, this fuga that I started in the beginning of it, that, that is... Uh, Pure rock and roll, and, and and if you think that uh, you move like rock rock stars in a way, and that's why you saw that on the video, yeah. um, and we also made it so that um, because these pieces are divided three and three mm. place, and the, the middle guys was the guy that uh, showed uh, us uh, else uh, how to make this. Seven to oh nine to eight or something, yeah. something yes, like yes. that. The, the polar rhythms, yeah, yeah. And since I am left-handed, uh, it was a little hard to do all this sixteen with with the wrong hand. So, so therefore, I I had one extra bongo ah, yeah. on the left on the left yeah. side the, by the bass drum. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Why not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then then I also. Uh, had uh, this uh, heavy bass drum beater that, that was put on the head so I could right. really smack them. Because we learned that playing with the, the wooden stick on, on the bass drum was not the best sound. Right. But we also ordered, um, this is fun to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I, you have your special sticks, your special Sanaki Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, uh, we happened to buy... Um, I think it was in the Slog Toy Center in Copenhagen. Yeah. They had some um, wooden th- sticks for surdo. Big, big head, thick, thick. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. And we thought that must be perfect yeah. for tempo block, wood block, uh, bongos, congas, and tom toms. And so, uh, with, with a more heavy stick, you can also have a more rich sound. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we we bought everything that they they had on this. Uh, <laughs> Stock and when this was was broken, we 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 asked um, a guy in Stockholm to, to make uh, this type of right. stick for us. Yeah, because it gave. I mean, it just um, again about finding hardware and sounds that really supports your interpretational idea of this yeah. kind of rock and yeah. roll thing. Yeah, that you yeah. really went for. I remember that bass drum stroke you're talking about. By the way, from the <coughs> video, it's uh, one of the. From from the pure visual impact it has on the video and the way you play that bass drum, <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. A great inspiration. I mean, you, 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 you don't have to play so hard, but it's 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 nice for the audience. Yeah, <laughs> I heard you play the piece live also a couple of times in Oslo. And I, uh, speaking of loudness, I think my my loudest chromata memory was when you played a, a piece by Dror Feiler at the Ultima Festival in the nineties sometime. 
you remember with the with the drill the the electric yeah this um a very special one but uh you know where you kind of you went all in for the for the loudness yeah exactly yeah. but then you also had this kind of comic moment comical moments where you played the ragtime with with a with a video or something with a film yeah so exactly. you had this yeah. this very broad spectrum but um yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we we also sort of learned that um it was so important to meet the audience. I mean, meet people that, I mean, we, we, we could have performed for composers and nerdy percussionists all our life, but, but we, we wanted to make a, a bigger audience. And the, the, the down um, point was um, up in a city in the north in Lilio. There were eight uh, people in the audience. And we, we had a, a whole stage filled with instruments. And we thought, we must do something here. And one other thing we talked about was we cannot make any seminar about music they don't have heard before. So, so we, we must make better contact with the audience, um, talking about other things. I mean, all the jazz musicians or, or uh, singer-songwriters, they are uh, fantastic uh, talking with people, tell a little story or have a little laugh, and then they, they do the music. Yeah. I we thought, we must do that also. We, we must um, meet the audience. We must talk with them. And we must uh, take away all these uh, walls between the stage and the the audience we we i think we saw some examples in festivals around the world that was uh, awful to see but the feeling was uh, that musicians thought don't disturb us we are making art right this may or may not be true but i i feel that in a sense the 70s 80s maybe the until the point in the mid 90s uh it was in a sense the high tide of modernism as a style and classical contemporary music was a very serious business and you know mostly written by men who scratch their beards and think about god and the universe and chromata was in a sense an antidote to that yeah, because yeah. You, you were sort of uh, more about the communication about the playfulness and energy even even if you played serious music like mm -hmm. like Sanat, i mean yeah 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 absolutely and you you know after every concert we we will run out to the audience and and talk with them and answer all these questions they had is is it is it music that you read or are you improvising or you know all this uh, and we we took all these questions very seriously and that was also, I think, uh, the, the thing that we we raised from eight people in the audience in in Lilio to two thousand in the audience in in Stockholm later on. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, the the whole organization Kromata arose from the concert Sweden, this Rikskonserter, which is a sort of uh, the idea of a social. Uh, we have that in had that in Norway as well. This idea of uh, in a social democracy, everyone should get to hear great music, even though you live in the smallest village. Mm -hmm. And so you relate to eight people, or you relate to two thousand yeah, people. Exactly. Do you think there's a connection there with your because you were actually funded by or employed by Swedish uh, concerts Sweden, the Rikskonserter. So in a sense, uh, just mm -hmm. a parenthesis, you were kind of probably the only percussion ensemble in that category who was like a state-funded ensemble. But it's based on this idea that you tour every little village there is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, in in many ways, it, it's it's more 
it's harder, it's more d- d- difficult to play for eight people and play for to 2,000 people. You meet all these eyes and, and you, you see the fears and, and everything. And that is much, much harder. But uh, actually, we were building as an um, amateur uh, spare time ensemble. Yeah. And, but we were employed by the, the uh, Region Musik that, that was called at that time. And, and um, we were uh, supposed to be the percussion section in, the, in that, or- that wind orchestra. And uh, rather soon after that, uh, our schedule was was better in advance than, than, than the, the orchestra. Mm-hmm. And often when they they had a concert or, or, or a gig with the orchestra, we, we were we were booked for, for, for something in, in Hungary or Japan or something like that. And, and <laughs> it was a little yeah. not easy to, to, to handle that situation. But um, then we, 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 we had a nice um, director. Anders Jansson, his name, uh, and he um, he made us to um, to build our own unit within the concert Sweden, and that therefore we had all the support, uh, economically of course, and we we could um, commission pieces, uh, we could record uh, things, and we supposed to play in every little or big place. Great. Is there anything to say about the technicality of uh, this, how you got your global network management, logistics, money, funding? How was that organized? I mean, how do you go on the road as a percussion sextet? In, in, how do you tour Europe? Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we were, um, we had all these uh, duties in the ensemble. We, we, we never had an agent. We would try a lot of times to, to have an agent to... to, to, to um, help us with these things but it was impossible i think the agents thought this was too too, too, too big too much uh, work uh, so um, we we divided the, the duties among us six and um, some thing rode in a way that that you you, you were interesting in some field and then you you had to the the feedback from the other five to be the person that handled the things. So one of us, Anders Logan, he was the guy that uh, had had much contacts uh, during the world, and, and he he could uh, sell our concerts. Um, and um, before him, uh, it, that was a guy that more like formed our organization. His name is Martin Stasner. And this is before email, so that we are talking telefax and letters and... Uh... Yeah, exactly. And that is a nice story, actually. Back in 1982, we got a telefax, a telex, this long uh, paper line, you know, sort of warm uh, from the, uh, the Künstleragentur Ost in, in East Berlin, asking us if we could have a little tour in the autumn. And we said, no, sorry, we, we have a gig. We had one gig in that autumn, so we, we said uh, it's impossible. And they, they, the I'm a new telex, and they told, no, 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 sorry, not this autumn. It's in 1987. It's in, in five years. Is it possible? I say, yes, absolutely, it's possible. And there we also learned that um, the opening, the, the, the sort of key for to be part of festivals was to say yes to 
the festival composer that wanted to do a little piece. And we say, absolutely, we, we, we do it too. And we, if it's good, we, we, we play it in, in other festivals as well. And that was often the, the opening for, 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 for to be part of festivals. You work with Geo Katzer in DDR Dam yeah, at that time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he did another excellent piece for us. Um, I think the name is Geschlagene Zeit. Yeah, Beaten Time. With, with yeah, this yeah. sort of, of theater thing right. in the middle yeah yeah he has he also wrote a piece for my group he where he works with like uh, louis carroll texts and theatrical ah, yeah, yeah. interesting yeah, yeah. yeah. Very, very nice composer mm. anyways this is a um a bit of an aside but um to zoom out a little bit um 30 years of chromata what are the like top memories and that's one question. And then the next question is, you kind of came into the percussion ensemble world uh, in, this, in, a, in its golden golden years, in its golden age, in a sense. You had all, all the greatest pieces maybe written for you or for in your time. And how do you see that today? Is Do you feel that this music is still relevant? Um, and how do you, do you have like an advice for people who make percussion ensembles today? How do, should they think about percussion music? And what is percussion music today? Wow, this is uh, this is uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, I start with with uh, the pieces. I think I start with. Uh, uh, I'm happy that I had to be play all the 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 really nice pieces, the the huge and fantastic pieces from from that time, and. Um, I think that was a little bit before all the percussion guys uh, composed their own pieces. And if the, the, the classical percussion ensemble shall have a future, I think even the, the young ensemble must collaborate more with, with the composers. But the ensembles must also um, think more for themselves. I have, I have, have a little analyze um, in my time, in our time, in the Kremata, um, the festivals was for the m- m- musicians. And the musicians was voice for the composers. For instance, if we can uh, analyze the, the concert in the um, uh, festival in in um, England, what was the name of it? Huddersfield. Huddersfield, yes. So there, I, I think that the, the perspective has changed. It is the composer festival. And the ensembles are making all they can for to do what's in the score for the, uh, from the composer. In my time, the musicians helped the composers to add the musician's point of view. And I think the musicians was a little bit stronger at that time to, to, to take for their own voice in the collaboration with the composers. That's interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's uh, uh, that that uh, I think it's important to find this balance again because now I I I think it's too boring to to see this uh, this. Uh, uh, musicians doing all the thing. And speaking of Huddersfield, I talked with some examples. I don't remember if they were from Holland or France or Germany, and they 
they were so extremely happy and they told me we we we, we have just uh, foundings and we will do a commission for a 40 minute long piece and i said why <laughs> why do we need a 40 minute long piece what composer can make an interesting piece for 40 minutes that maybe a handful of them yeah it's much better to to, to commission four pieces uh, 10 minutes each that can have something in there who, who can explore the, the artistic. Uh, and, and nowadays, I think, uh, like the painters, that um, the musicians are the, the, the frame that uh, are the tools of the experiment of the composers. When you perform a piece by Rolf Wallin or by Senakis or Cage, the experiment is already all, all done. Mm -hmm. Right. These are very full-blown pieces. Yes, yeah. the common score. Yeah, and uh, that so, is important, I think, for, for the right. future. So, since you mentioned those pieces, uh, "Stone Way" by Norwegian Rolf Wallin, "Play Alts" by Sanakis and uh, Cage, are those some of the highlights from repertoire-wise from those years? You think they are absolutely, uh, absolutely, uh, they are. And um, um, later on in our in our career, we. We realized that the, the chamber music festivals hadn't enough money to 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 have six people with hotels and flights and and, and the the bus with the instruments. So we we started to think: Is it more possible to be an ensemble that can be invited by orchestras? Mm -hmm. And uh, we started to ask uh, the orchestras, and they said no. We don't need any percussion accent. We have our own percussionists. Yes, we know. We said you have your own violinist as well, but 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 you still have a violin solist every every week. Mm. Uh, and the, uh -huh, uh, we we have never thought about that. But suddenly, um, a week before Christmas, I was in the office and and the telephone rang and that was Esapeka, and he told me. Um, you know, I have commissioned a piece by a Mexican composer, Gabriela Ortiz. Mm. It's for our percussion ensemble, um, percussion section. But they think this is a little bit um, over the top. Uh, so is it possible for you to come and, and play it? And I said, yes. I, I mean, I didn't ask anyone. I mean, <laughs> playing three concerts at Solis with the LA Philharmonic and Esapeka, it was no question. It was, yes, we will come. And um, it, uh, it was the start of, of to commission more pieces for... So that was one, one of my top uh, memories, of course, uh, playing with uh, that orchestra. But also when we... Uh, we had a couple of um, pieces for for orchestra and, and orchestra ensemble. After that, um, one of Rolf Wallin. Tides, right? Tides uh, yeah. was a, a very nice piece, and I I think I have never enjoyed practicing so much um, as in that part. I, mm. Play the, the 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 first vibraphone part in that piece, and I play that as well. It's a really fun part to. It's practice. it's very yeah. fun to, to yeah. practice actually, and it's uh, it's nice the plan and everything like that. Super nice, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, our old friends Sven David Sandström that uh, composed the, the 
the, the drum piece that also is one of the top memories, of course. Yeah. He um, <clears throat> he also made a concert for us uh, that we premiered in in Gothenburg. I think also uh, the the chains from a little uh, little cellar. Um, Contemporary festival in in Leipzig to, to, to the, the 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 big concert hall in L.A. was a sort of feeling right. also, of course. Yeah. yeah, a feeling of success and a feeling of yeah, achievement. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So after you had played playouts in the mid '80s, I'm guessing '84 or something. Yeah. You yeah. Uh, got the chance to commission Sanakis for a piece, and this is maybe the mid '90s, late '90s, uh, a piece for trombone. And six percussionists, and I think the trombonist was Christian Lindberg, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Can you talk about that process? And we could, it was a very different piece than you expected, I'm guessing, because Sinakis had changed his uh, aesthetics by then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really much. Um, we, um, or I think it was Christian that that, that made made this uh, contact, and um, Sinakis which we didn't know about has started to to write shorter pieces and um, it was very short pieces <laughs> and um, um, this piece Sytos um, was for six marimbas and one trombone uh, and we, we told the Christian who was very enthusiastic and you know we, we we will never go on tour with six marimbas you you must understand it uh, yeah but, but but it's a fantastic piece and and he needs two bass marimbas as well no we will never go with bass marimbas never with, with six uh, marimbas but 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 we we, we played it actually and um, on the fax machine two A4 um, scores came and we contact uh, his uh, um, publisher again this Salabar uh, guy and and asked, uh, and said thank you so much uh, and when do we receive the rest of the piece and he didn't understand what we was talking about that this is the piece it's only to uh, aha and um, but um, it was cost 160,000 Swedish so uh, hey uh, we were afraid when, when the, the the accountants you know in the constant Sweden should see about that and was yeah. so and uh, then we realized that his um, his temple was um, on 16th so it was around 35 for a 16 note one. You know, <laughs> right. and yeah. the, the the part of of the marimbas was like you, you know you're standing in in a sort of amusement park or, or Tivoli, and you're competing to 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 nail this uh, you know with a hammer. Yeah. Yeah. It was only banging as hard you, you you could, and and the trombone part was higher than Christian Lindbergh ever had played. So he he had a half a year to 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 hire his ambassador to, to to get it. Which which says a lot, yeah. Which says a lot, <laughs> but unfortunately that piece was played once, only once, and no, only once. I heard it once in Oslo. You played it in uh, Oslo, maybe maybe twice then. <laughs> right, yeah. It it it, it wasn't. Much like Sanakis, it was as though he had forgotten what yeah. his like signature was. All the notes were gone. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then, then we heard from our friend um, uh, in uh, in England, um, 
Evelyn. Taking the prize, mm-hmm. and then we played this this uh, nice piece again. And that's on to be found online. I think we can link to that in the yeah, in yeah, the it is absolutely great. I remember also hearing you. We don't have to include this, but I I heard you in Hanover in the World Exhibition 2000, and you were in Vienna for Percussion Festival. I think 2002. Yeah. So I mean, you did all this kind of the the big halls, right? This was like Vienna Philharmonic yeah. or something. And that was also a nice thing in 2000 in Hanover, because um, it was some theme, I think, someone had uh, invented. So every uh, country should uh, supply with some percussionist. And every day at noon, uh, we played uh, various ionization. And it was a piece of paper that you could write in date and what part you, you wanted to play. And it, it was fantastic. We, we, we were there a week, and I played with the, I played always the, the same uh, tarol part, you know, this 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 high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. Um, suddenly the day I realized that I was standing beside Pete Erskine, <laughs> and and he played the snare drum, and and he had a completely different uh, approach of the piece. It was talking of. Yeah, that is interesting, and I never thought about it. He were there playing sort of jazz, jump, jump, and suddenly we thought, hey, that is not various. And our example that was the guy that invented this sort of pop music in the act uh, strange when when it was another guy that also took his uh, liberties liberties right yeah yeah and another top memory of course i must tell you about um, it's in 2002 uh, stockholm celebrates its uh, 750 year and we uh, we had an idea that we should uh, do a concert in the uh, courtyard with um, our six, with uh, all our uh, friends that are percussion teachers in the town and their, stu- uh, their young students as well. So I think we were 50 or 60 percussionists. And, and uh, we, we, we were on the meeting with, um, I mean, the, the program was based on Pleiades. And at that point, we did all the four moments without uh, a conductor. And we organized and asked very polite, and we had a meeting with the king, because we know that he liked us. When he was celebrating his 50th birthday, he had three wishes. He wanted Rodromata yeah. and Steve Wonder and a, a Scottish uh, singer that's called Enya. Enya. Uh, yeah. That was fantastic. So we, we, we had a meeting with him and um, 
he was interesting to have us performing his um, backyard, you know, at the castle. And uh, then um, suddenly one of us asked, Your Majesty, could it be possible that you can perform a piece with us? <laughs> <laughs> and, and he said, um, hey, hey, wait, wait a second. Um, you should do what you are best. I'm the king and you are a percussionist. But... <laughs> But, but 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 after a while he he accepted and we did improvisation. Okay. Uh, there were were um, uh, you know um, young percussionists with uh, shimes uh, in every uh, every window mm -hmm. improvising on the so and we were playing on the stage with some uh, big lustra plates for, that that we have from the radio. And under every chair uh, in the audience, it was about 4,000 people there. It was a little jingle <laughs> that the audience was also supposed to improvise with us. And then with, with uh, the, the most, uh, the peak of the sound, uh, we invited the, the king up and he made one beat on the big uh, bell that they use in symphony, symphony fantastique, you know, this uh, right. big, the, the big, big thing. locker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And everybody was silent. And then we had prepared with, with, with the archbishop arch, um, that um, uh, three people hold the, 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 the thing for to hit the, the bell up in, in the church nearby. And after that bell, we start improvising and the king played along on the, on the bell. And all the churches in the whole Stockholm improvised with this. So it was an amazing thing. Wow, that sounds amazing. And after the concert, people jingling with, 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 the, with the bells going by bus and, and subway, you know, it was one of the most fantastic things. Sounds spectacular. Can you say something about the, the challenges of uh, being a full-time employed musician in a percussion ensemble that plays contemporary music, new pieces all the time, you're constantly rehearsing, you're constantly learning new music. It's loud, you're carrying a lot. Um, what is the price, in a sense, for playing an percussion ensemble for 30 years in terms of uh, physical damage or otherwise <laughs> psychological things? I mean, uh, to practice a lot and to... Um... To be in this uh, this uh, hall with the, all the percussion instruments, are it's not the most thing. I, I always thought it was nice to build my little setup, and I had some tom toms shows for me, and then and then I checked everybody so I could do it in the easiest way. And I think we all learned uh, during the years where I need to practice and where I can play it anyway. You start uh, sort of trusting yourself and, and you, you, you start also to see that part I need to practice. I mean, otherwise it's always nice to practice things that you know about, or it sounds better in, in, in the practice room. But uh, for to save time, we, we, we often, uh, share the, the parts so it was easy for us to do it. I, I, I often played vibraphone and not so often xylophone. It was another guy that was, he was a little faster in, in his hands. So he did all these things. And, um, and that made us also more 
fast in the learning process. Yeah. Um, the harder thing, I think, was more like we were six completely different uh, persons. Maybe some was more different than, than other. And um, uh, acting uh, corresponding when, when someone thinks that you uh, can do something better. It can be a long arguing uh, uh, that takes time and, and you are tired of each other and you, you are, you are in different uh, Way and also at that time, at the end of the ensemble, we, we uh, everybody except one had families and we have children, mm. and suddenly you can't hang out on, on the rehearsing room all the night, all the day. You have to be more more structured, and and also that calls for that you maybe all always was not reparated on, on everything and that was also sort of a challenge and we were arguing about that and um, right. all these things I mean we were sort of married for 30 years uh, and, um, and suddenly I was a little fed up with all the things and, and I started to talk with my guys that maybe I wanted to do something more I mean I had played professional since, since I was 14 years old. So, I mean, I, I had a long career. Yeah. I started to look a little bit and, and actually I was uh, invited for the final round into the festival general in a festival in Christian Sand, mm -hmm. the chamber music festival there. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the job went to another guy, but anyway. And the, 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 the wonderful feeling of to be choiced uh, uh, after uh, writing and, and thing was overwhelmed. And I think maybe I could do something more in my life than uh, only play in this ensemble. And suddenly one morning, um, my friends had, um, had had a speech uh, during the, the evening before. And, and it was also called by one of our members that, that, that not our... Uh, living anymore. He was away for a couple of years because he was really ill. And they picked me for the, the ensemble leader. And suddenly, um, how should I say it in a proper way, I could open up for these young guys in ensemble to have more reliable duties. And they felt immediately that it was interesting to work and they, they could uh, do something. And then he went back and, and he was angry that something had changed. And, and he saw me as sort of enemy that I have opened the door for these young guys. But I, I still think, and that maybe is from this Wienerwald's um, um, experience when I was 10 years old, that a leader must be a leader. A leader must uh, uh, take uh, take responsibility to, to make all his plans to be better and better and better. And uh, suddenly this Monday morning, we, we sat in an ordinary meeting and the guys uh, said, since Leif is going now to Norway and uh, we have to... Uh, make a new organization because Rick's concert said uh, they had no more space for us. We should be a free ensemble again. And they said, um, we will do that without you. 
they they told they, this guy and um, he went of course uh, angry and uh, and sad and you know of course that but I think for to be a sort of small free group again it was so important to to, to um to pick the right people for for to do it then the the economic situation for, for, for this free group was uh, uh, under the half of the budget that, that we had before and uh, even if i didn't get that job i, I had another job as uh, the director for the Nordic Chamber Orchestra and my, my, my friend on the shoulder he also decided to okay I skip it now I go to my my uh, school thing I would be a teacher and they could manage uh, uh, with with a new budget on four people but it 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 was a sort of sad uh, and sort of bad taste in in the mouth after all these years and it ended with some. Uh, um some um, bitterness uh, fi- bitterness yeah. and fight yeah. yes exactly be- be- because after that um, we just had to uh, we were towards our um, uh, new uh, anniversary and we had commissioned a piece from uh, Sofia Pubadulina and um, mm-hmm. this guy that we left behind us he told the the, the orchestras that um, Romata doesn't exist anymore, but I have a new ensemble, and this new ensemble is called the uh, same title as a piece, mm-hmm. uh, and we, we will do it. And um, he did the premiere in um, Dresden and in Göteborg and in Switzerland, and they did it in Berlin later on, I think, also. But Sten, uh, what's his name? He was uh, the chief in Bergen. Sten, Sten uh, Kranner. Yeah, exactly. He uh, he said, uh, no, 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 that is impossible. I know that uh, Kromata exists and, and I had made money to, to the Kromata. So, so he he had the Aurangsamut to, to play it in Bergen, but but I left uh, before that. Right. But it, it's a uh, it's a little sad and a little bitter taste, but but the the, the, the other guys in the ensemble we we meet uh, sometimes and and a couple of years ago we celebrated our forty year anniversary playing the same piece that we played in the first concert and do we know what the piece was? It was Mandoror by yeah yeah. Uh, <laughs> I saw that online, uh, Ola Vanto yeah. Thomason, that you conducted. Ola Vanto, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> it's a spectacular so piece. So fun, it's yeah. a spectacular piece. Oh my God. But, yeah. but we, 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 we did, did, did it without the paintings. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, That's a very special piece. But uh, yeah, life. can you talk about the, um, the transition from being a percussionist into being a conductor and how you managed that transition? you went into a different uh, career segment, so to speak, and also a different segment of, of, of the music business. And uh, wh- how did you prepare for that transition and, and what sort of re-education or whatever did you have to undertake? Yeah, I I, um, I had some amateur or youth orchestras uh, during all the time with with, with uh, Kromata and we, we uh, often uh, conduct each other in these ensemble uh, rehearsals and so on. Um, and when my youth orchestra in in Norrbotten, uh, up, up north in Sweden, celebrated our uh, ten years uh, birthday, I I had a sort of present from them to to, to go to a, a conductor's seminar with um, 
this Finnish guy, famous guy, Jolma Panela. And that was a sort of opening eyes for me. And even there, I link back to my Wienerwald's experience. I mean, here I was in front of a professional orchestra and I realized after one, two seconds that here is respect. If I meet them with full, full, fully respect, they will respect me, and I can do something with them. Uh, and I learned the hard way that uh, you have uh, about eight seconds to establish a sort of respect or, or um, trust for each other. And um, after that, I, I conducted more and more, and I have been out in in all these uh, amateur symphony orchestras, and I have done some uh, with uh, Värmland Opera and Norrland Opera and so on. And then um, I started to, to um, I started to think in the same way that we did uh, in the Romata, uh, writing to some people, asking them if it's possible to, to do something. Um, for instance, if uh, if it's possible to do the, the that piece or that piece, and they sometimes they don't answer, and sometimes they answer and say no, and sometimes they answer and say yes, and and that is a sort of make a fishing in the lake, you know. And nowadays I I have a fantastic thing. I, I work, and so to speak, my my circle is rounded now. Uh, I was 14 years when I started this military band up north in Sweden, and now I am the artistic leader for all the Swedish uh, mil military bands. And since two years, I am also now the chief conductor and, and artistic leader for this Lithuanian Wind Symphony. Um, um, and that is also very interesting to build a repertoire with them. They are a former marching band with, with these pom-pom uh, girls and everything, but they want to, to change focus to, to, to play more um, original music pieces, and that is okay. And, and often when, when I go to orchestras and and suddenly the percussion guys uh, wakes up and 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 are very amused by that i have uh, i hear them i see them and i can say hey why not try that uh, for a change and so on and and they are very unusual to, to, have, to have a conductor that <laughs> say something to them. <laughs> so, so the very end now uh, i'm uh, this spring I will be 64, and um, I'm thinking of um, to uh, to retire from this um, this um, military office job. Maybe next year, maybe the year after that, and then I want to be an artist again. Right. Tell more about that. So, what are the next ten years? What do the next ten years have in store for you in terms of dream projects or stuff you want to realize? I will do more conducting. I will. Um, broader my, my net of orchestras, of course. And I will also, since um, all the chromata repertoire is is located in, in a place um, in Stockholm, and I think many of these pieces are so extremely good music. So I will, um, I will starting to, to offer me as a, a instructor or conductor or inspirational and, and see if in academia around the world, 
Horsjorden so on can play more of these old pieces. Right. I mean, as you say, we have some some hit hit music, but there are also other pieces that are extremely good, but they they uh, haven't been played at all since the the, the ensemble uh, finished the the. It back in 2015. Why don't we make an appointment right now online for? Yeah, we, we do that. As a part of the podcast, you are officially invited to Freiburg. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I should be honored to be in Freiburg. <laughs> I've been thinking about this piece, drumming, uh, drums. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Of course, you That's do much of a, it. You know, yeah, it's a sort of out, outdoor spectacle or something. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I did it up in in Harstal a couple years ago with uh, this. Uh, and we, we, we also did, did a wonderful piece by a Swedish composer named Anders Eliasson for a trumpet and, and percussion. That is also a sort of hidden hit that, that, that not are so, so, uh, so, so broadly played, but it can be better. <laughs> 